All right, what's up, and welcome back for another episode of Cognizant and Cognizance, the podcast born out of recognizing the importance of the second stage of the mastery process, conscious incompetence. This is your host, Jim Perro speaking, and every week I add a new chapter onto the anthological discussion on life, taking action, and the value of conscious thought. Join me and the occasional guest for a head in the clouds perspective on how to stay grounded and win in all that you do. Enjoy. job doesn't start until I think after the 4th of July is when I'm gonna gonna set that up Um, so like I said it really does appear that a little vacation was exactly what I needed to kind of get me get me out of a rut because yeah I got a a new big opportunity oh yeah corporate Um, starting a job with Xerox in July which um, I'm sure most people most people know Xerox is. Um, I accepted the job before the weekend, and um, so now I'm just sitting here, uh, which is going to be fine. I'll, I'll take like a week or two off to just kind of focus on me, do absolutely nothing for the next couple weeks, just like work out and run and enjoy the Jazz Fest. Uh, the International Jazz Fest started last Saturday here in Rochester. Rochesterians know that, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, non-Rochesterians. I mean, you know, we, we have an international jazz fest. We get people coming all from all over the world and big names. Um, we got Jeff Goldblum performing with an orchestra tomorrow here in Rochester. We got George Benson coming, Patti LaBelle. Uh, we got yeah, we got all these big names. We got Steve Gadd, who's like one of the best rock and roll drummers of all time. That will that actually he performed over the weekend. I think like it's a great festival. Um, festival season is really about to kick off here in Rochester. It started with the Lilac Festival, but yeah, now it's about to get crazy now that the, the sun is out here. So um, just going to run it this week from probably Wednesday to Saturday, do some jazz fest time. And uh, yeah, then 4th of July next week, and then I'll be starting a new job. So, uh, but yeah, it's good to get back into the swing of things. It kind of took like, like I said, like three week hiatus. Um, right when I got back from vacation, I was really, really feeling like shit. traveling, being in airports, gross, dirty-ass airports with a 
weakened immune system, and that'll that'll fuck you up right there. So I had something, had like a cold for like a week. Went and got that checked out, totally fine, just over it now. Um, and so we're good to go, back on the horse and uh, back to our regularly scheduled programming. <coughs> Uh, so the last episode, the one before vacation, um, kind of developed a new, a new format that, I, that I'm going to continue with here, whereas I'm just going to stick with my, what I think was um, not maybe the most important part of my 10 cents for thought personally, but the most applicable and the most, uh, the most shareable uh, point of reflection from the 10 cents for thought, which was what did I learn today? Um, and I'm going to share something that I didn't necessarily learn today. I learned this um, a few weeks ago, but I haven't recorded since I learned it. So this was an especially useful piece. Um, and I, I've heard this saying before, uh, but I didn't really know that there was already an established, it's already an established philosophical axiom. And, uh, and so the, the phrase or the the saying or prayer I don't know what it is but it goes along the lines of this never attribute anything to malice which can be adequately explained by stupidity which again I've heard that before I've heard that in many different contexts um, I wholeheartedly agree with it because I think that a lot of times whether you know sometimes people get offended excuse me by what other people say and maybe that person wasn't actually just trying to be rude and be malicious. Maybe they're just saying things out of ignorance or stupidity. Um, and I, I think that's that's a pretty well-established truth. But um, come to find out, that is that is actually a philosophical razor called Hanlon's razor, which um, if you're unfamiliar. A philosophical razor is just essentially a principle or a statement that, you know, when you follow it or when you put that into action, the purpose is to shave off, literally shave off, unlikely or ridiculous outcomes and remove them from the realm of possibility. You're probably most, if you're familiar with these things, you're probably familiar with Occam's razor, which I, that was the only one I was familiar with, but which Occam's razor says the simplest and most straightforward answer is typically the correct answer most of the time it's the one that requires the least assumptions and the least like guesses to actually get to the desired result that's probably the explanation more times than or yeah more often than not and so Hanlon's razor again is never attribute anything to malice which can be adequately explained by stupidity which is a I think a pretty reasonable a pretty reasonable assumption just automatically assume that somebody is being a dick maybe they just don't understand what they're saying um and i've been in that position before i think everybody in the world has where you you say something based on maybe a preconceived notion or you you just just say something based on the information that you have and somebody has more information than you doesn't necessarily mean you're stupid but you are operating out of a uh diminished uh, cognitive capacity in that regard. Um, so, any hoozles. That is what I learned. Uh, that's probably the most important thing that I've learned recently, and it's not necessarily important, other than the sense of it kind of illuminates, again, a truth that I've already known, which I just didn't know that there was that it was already an established concept necessarily. Um, and so, um, 
kind of switching gears here. Price's Law, the Pareto Principle. And these are two, well, I mean, typically they're, they're used to not necessarily measure, but predict future levels of organizational health. Uh, they're, they're different. They're, Price's Law is essentially a model that was created in like the 30s or 50s or something like that. And it was, so it was originally, it's a, it's a model that's originally created to um, explain the distribution of scientific publishing across a given subset of authors. And so the publishing value, pu pu let's say that you have 100 scientific papers or scholarly articles that are written, and there's 25 different authors that are writing them. Price's Law says that the square root of the number of actors in that subset of data will produce 50% of the work. And so if 100 papers are written by 25 authors, five of them are writing about 10 papers each for a total of 50 papers, and the other 15 authors are writing 50 papers between themselves. And so the concept applies to organizational health, it indicates it, you know, say out of 100 employees, 10 are doing 50% of the work, and the other 90 are essentially sitting on their hands in comparison to those 10 excellent top performers. And that's obviously a gross oversimplification of the rule. I'm not, I'm not incredibly well versed in statistical methods, but you will see where I'm going with this momentarily. Um, so that's Price's Law in the smallest nutshell possible, like a half of, that's like in half of a pistachio shell. Um, and then we have the Pareto Principle, or as most that I previously worked with at, uh, at a certain company, and most people colloquially, it is colloquially known as the 80-20 rule. And essentially it's stating that 80% of productivity comes from the most important 20% of your activities, and this is on a personal level, or 80% of company productivity comes from the top 20% of your staff, your top 20% of performers. And this, so this was um, created by a, some business management consultant. I forget who, what his name was, uh, but he credited it to an Italian philosopher or economist or something like that who was using this, he, he developed this principle in the late 1800s to explain the distribution of wealth and land ownership in Italy, whereas he saw that the top 20% of richest Italians owned 80% of the land and controlled 80% of the wealth. And so this, this guy in the 50s or 60s named it the Pareto Principle after the last name of that Italian economist. And so again, just to reiterate, Price's Law states that the square root of the number of uh, workers are doing 50% of the work, and the Pareto Principle states that 20% of the staff are doing 80% are are producing 80% of the results, 80% generating 80% of the sales, things along those lines. Um, and so obviously, I, this is not. I don't normally talk about business. I don't own a business. I'm not a, um, I mean, I am a salesperson, I guess, by trade, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a 
I'm not a business owner is my point. So why the fuck am I talking about uh, business management concepts and concepts that are much more relevant to a CEO or like a COO than they are to me, some guy sitting behind a microphone? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I'm going to translate them for you. Translate them into a language that's a little bit more digestible for me on a daily basis and share a little bit about what these could mean in your personal life. So what do they mean for you? What do they mean in your daily life? What do they mean in your relationships? And you only need to apply them to figure that out. Now, again, granted, these are more business management and they measure like organizational health. They're more appropriate for like a, like a hard tack, numbers oriented kind of management approach than they are for like an emotional pursuit like a relationship or personal development and notwithstanding if you're looking at personal relationships and you're looking at your own personal development like a business transaction then I can't really help you with that one because you're missing a pretty integral part of both of those relationships but just consider this let's let's kind of let's kind of localize it more towards people let's make it people friendly people centric because that's better anyway so we, we i use the terms productivity and work for productivity for prices law and work or results for the pareto principle so what if you take productivity and you replace productivity with intimacy in relationship to prices law or progress in relationship to the Pareto principle and then we take work and we replace it with activities or dates for prices law or um, just activities in general really for either one Pareto principle and prices law and so let's let's apply these let's apply uh, prices law first to your personal life let's apply it to your personal life so let's say you're you're in a relationship with someone or even if it's it's a family relationship it's your parents and you know you're trying to obviously you know you want to get along with your parents you want to keep that bond that's I mean, family bonds are only as strong as we allow them to be so let's say for every fun every 10 fun activities that you do with your partner or you do with your family as a whole one or two of them stand out as a significantly memorable activity so one being um, kind of extrapolated from Price's Law 100 activities square root of that is 10 so 10 to 1 not necessarily the same it's a tenth instead of square root but you understand so um, so Price's Law and the Pareto Principle together will say that one or two of those 10 activities will stand out as significantly memorable and they'll leave a lasting imprint, uh, not only you, but they'll also leave a lasting imprint on the other person that was involved in the activities for you, you know, in the form of a bond, in the form of intimacy, in the form of actually getting to know that person and, and you know, having some kind of a meaningful relationship with them. Um, same thing goes for your personal, your very personal life like your individualized personal self and i think the pareto principle makes more sense working on a personal level on an individual level every 10 moves you make to work on yourself and elevate you know your personal aura and kind of
direction that you need to be, one or two of them will have the most impact on getting you where you need to go or where you want to go. Um, And so, again, typically more business management related, but there's no reason that we can't run our own life and make sure that we are thinking about all the best solutions to mold our life into something that's productive for everyone involved, right? And so, obviously, you know, it's, it's a little more cut and dry than almost any emotional situation that you're ever going to run into. But by the same token, why not? If it seems to keep companies running, which are much more difficult to manage, I think, I think it'd be much more difficult to manage a hundred people than it would be to focus only your energy on one person or two people or five people and make sure that you're giving the most value and you're giving the most love to those people. The idea here is not to limit your moves to one or two high value moves that you think are a good idea. Don't go on two dates a month or hang out with your parents twice a month and only focus on making those two times special. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Don't limit yourself to two moves a day, a week, a month to get ahead in your personal life. The The idea is to revel in the possibility of making every move you make memorable and impactful. Obviously, some of them aren't going to be because, I mean, even just these laws notwithstanding, there's just no way to have every single moment that you experience be significant. You can sit there and enjoy them, but it's just a fact of life that sometimes things just happen and sometimes they happen without us even realizing them. So uh, plenty of these things that you do, plenty of these actions or activities, they won't even be what you're looking for. But... I suppose the important focus is on delivering the highest quality of activity, you know, highest quality of love, highest quality of, um, you know, highest quality of calculated maneuver if you're trying to set something in motion for yourself and just deliver, deliver the most that you can for not only for yourself, but for everyone else in your life. And if your focus is on delivering and bringing as much joy and as much happiness and as much value you really can't miss and I think that is something that I've certainly missed out on in the past and I think a lot of people miss out on that too is they just kind of drift through life and they're not necessarily concerned about the the quality of interactions that they're having professionally personally and otherwise they're just kind of doing it to do it and I like I said I've definitely been guilty of that in my life and I think you lose a lot of the momentary joy and you lose a lot of that in translation when you're spending time worrying about whether every single experience that you have in life measures up to this arbitrary bar that you're setting for yourself, right? And when you're worrying about that, instead of just making the most out of every chance to, to, to be a high-quality person and to, to deliver a high-quality love to those you care about, I think that is that's where a lot of things kind of where a lot of things kind of start to stall or break down in every walk of life, professionally, personally, and otherwise. Um, and so, where did my book go here? One second. Um, 
out in the back. I'm gonna go get my book. So, uh, as per usual, I'm going to end real quick with a reading from my favorite little daily read, Daily Stoic. Um, I haven't recorded in the month of June yet because I've been slacking, but the month of June is a new theme and it's centered around problem solving. So, out of this mess because I just seem to be in a lot of messes in the course of my life. How I can get out of this mess, how I can fix this, how I can do right by this person, how I can not do wrong by this person again, whatever the case may be, how I can, you know, how I can get where I need to go. Problem solving is one of the essential, it's one of the essential skills and it's something that we all should be able to focus on. And so this, this, uh, this reading today is interesting, I thought, because when, when you think about the idea behind what I, was, what I was saying right before I started to transition here was not to spend time worrying about whether every experience you have is going to measure up to this ideal that maybe you or someone else has created, but just worry about you know putting your best foot forward and making sure that every interaction you have is, is of the highest quality imaginable. I think today's entry fits with that really well. Um, and so the title for the title for today, June 25th, is "The Wise Don't Have Problems." And there's a quote from Saint Seneca's "Tranquility of the Mind" on tranquility of mind. This is why we say that nothing happens to the wise person contrary to their expectations. Hesiod, the poet, said that the best treasure is a sparing tongue. Robert Greene considers it a law of power. Always say less than necessary, which, if you've ever read um, 48 Laws of Power, it's an interesting book, to say the least. That's uh, That one seems like a little bit... Yeah, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, we talk because we think it's helping, whereas in reality it's making things harder for us. If our spouse is venting, we want to tell them what they should do. And in fact, all they actually want us to do is hear them. In other situations, the world is trying to give us feedback or input, but we try to talk ourselves out of the problem, only to make it worse. Only to make it worse. So today, will you be part of the problem or part of the solution? Will you hear the wisdom of the world, or will you drown it out with more of your own noise? So I think that, that those last lines are the important part is what are you going to do today? When you have, you have an issue that's kind of nagging at you. You have something that's, you know, something that you know needs to be fixed or you think needs to be fixed. Are you going to be part of the problem or will you be part of the solution? Are you focusing on what you need to focus on to figure out how to solve that problem? Or is it a problem that even needs solving? Maybe it's something that you just need to absorb and, and pay attention to and accept the wisdom that working through that problem in time will grant you. You know, is Are you being detail-oriented by breaking down every part of the problem? Or are you just looking for excuses to put your opinion back out into the world as opposed to what is you know what is what is actually relevant and helpful which might just be to 
digest, you know. And I suppose the the best way to combat that for for me is to focusing on actualizing the desired result instead of all those potential bad outcomes. You know, it's it's much easier to it's much easier to kind of put ourselves into the situation and say, well, this is what I would do. This is exactly what I would do to prevent this from happening and that from happening and get this to happen instead. When in reality, um, you know, that's not necessarily the the most helpful focus. I think that a more helpful focus and the reason that the title of this is the wise don't have problems is because the wise, quote unquote, wise, are those who are digesting the problems before they insert themselves into them. They're digesting the problem to see if it's even something that they can relate to or something that that they have useful advice on before they just start blurting shit out. Um, And I I think that the best way to kind of combat that, because I have a tendency to want to help people, of course, you know, who doesn't if you're not a fucking maniac, but I, I sometimes have a tendency when someone is telling me something to listen. Sure, yeah, but offer that unsolicited advice that's not necessarily it's not necessarily helping. It, it it really is just the noise that's maybe drowning out knowledge that either one of us could be could be gleaning from the situation. And so, um, as opposed to you know to inserting your two cents and instead of focusing on the bad outcomes focus on giving that high quality love that I was talking about putting forth that high quality effort to get a high quality result and you know radiate that high quality energy back towards somebody who probably just needs your ear as opposed to your mouth Um, and so with that uh, a little bit of a quick episode here today and uh, starting next week, we will be back on our weekly schedule, back up on the horse. And um, yeah, thanks for everybody tuning in. And I'll see you in about seven days. Peace. Peace.